Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Spider-Man, coming up next. All right, welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool. I'm Justin, and my co-host, my guest co-host today... I'm joined by a very special person, Mr. Doug Verby. Hi, Justin. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's great to have you back. Uh, you joined us on a, another comic book episode talking Superman. Yeah, we talked Superman for a really long time, and then uh, we actually combined forces again to interview Sean O'Connell about the release of Snyder Cut book. That was a good time. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what are we doing today? We are going to be doing a, a nerd comparison on all of the eight live action spider-man it's really a lot to take on yeah that's great spider-man's a great character and this has been the year of, year of spider-man been uh biggest movie of the year yeah pretty incredible it's pretty we'll get to that in a second here so let's do a real quick background on spider-man <clears throat> uh first off we got to talk about just his comics debut so spider-man's a superhero he was created by stan lee and steve ditko and he first appeared in the comic book the amazing fantasy number 15 which came out in august of 1962 in the silver age of comic books did you read a lot of these growing up? Uh, I was not a big Marvel guy, but I had exposure to other Marvel comics through other medium we'll talk about. But uh, Spider-Man was, first and foremost, especially in the 90s, it was all Spider-Man and all X-Men. Yeah, right. Well, so Spider-Man's alias is Peter Parker. Actually, Spider-Man is the alias of Peter Parker, unlike Superman. Yeah. You know, it's flip-flop there. Uh, he's an orphan raised by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben in New York City. And his parents are Richard and Mary Parker, but they die in a plane crash. So what are some of his abilities? So he's got superhuman strength, speed, reflexes, agility, coordination. He can cling to solid surfaces, uh, accelerated healing, uh, genius-level intellect. Uh, he's proficient in science and engineering. Uh, he's got precognitive spider sensibility, so his spidey sense. Uh, and then he was able to use uh, actually manufacturers own web shooters and web webbing uh, that he shoots from his wrist-mounted uh, web shooters. He's master mar- martial ar- artist in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, unless you're uh, talking um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, where it actually comes out of his wrist. Usually he manufactures a thing that attaches to his wrist. Yeah, the organic web shooters were a big uh, controversy in the, in the Tobey Maguire films. Yeah. But pretty badass, though. Uh, so this has been adapted into a lot of different versions. We've got multiple TV shows... The Electric Company. What's the Electric Company? So the Electric Company was uh, it was kind of a cousin show to Sesame Street. It was created by the Children's Television Network, and it was actually Spidey's first live action appearance in 1974 to 1977. He actually appeared. Uh, it was a pup, it was played by a puppeteer named uh, Danny Seagren. Spider Man didn't talk. He uh, didn't reveal himself as Peter Parker. He was just in these short vignettes, and Marvel actually licensed Hmm. Spider-Man to the electric company uh, for these short little vignettes for free, and they were able to do it. Uh, They weren't any huge Spider-Man storylines. It was just quick vignettes to help reading and writing, things like that. Uh, He never spoke, was never unmasked. He was partially animated sometimes. They used word bubbles. There's 29 total appearances in these short, maybe four or five minute vignettes. Uh, Some of the villains were real cheesy, just kind of invented by the electric company. Uh, Spoiler, Can Crusher, Dr. Fly, Mr. Measles, the Queen Bee, Tickler, 
Sandman, but not the comic book Sandman. Uh, most famously, one of his uh, villains was Count Dracula, played by Morgan Freeman, who was also <laughs> a narrator in some of these episodes and was an actor on The Electric Company. So I, this was one of my first experiences with Spider-Man. It, it wasn't the best, but I kind of remember that theme song. It was a really short, Spider-Man, where are you coming from? Spider-Man, nobody knows who you are. That was, that was just it. And so <laughs> that was kind of the first theme song I thought was really famous. And uh, anyway, so it was the first kind of appearance of a Spider-Man in live action. That's really fun. Uh, I, I imagine Mr. Measles is like, a, hey, kids, don't make sure you do this so that you, if you have measles, here's how to tell people about it. Yeah, there weren't a whole <laughs> lot to the plots. <laughs> right. Like a bunch of PSAs, basically. Yep. With a, with a finger puppet or whatever puppet. Um I kind of glanced, or that's that's obviously one version of a TV show, but there are also a lot of different animated TV shows, right? Yeah, some of the animated TV shows. The big one, just five years after his uh, appearance, uh, his creation, is uh, 1967 Spider-Man. That was a classic theme song, uh, <laughs> probably where you're seeing a lot of these classic memes, Spider-Man pointing at each other. All of the, the <laughs> memes through that is, is pretty great. That was three seasons, 52 episodes, ran from uh, 67 to 70. Um, and after 1970, there wasn't really that, that lingered in, in syndication for a while, but that was a little bit more classic, got some of the villains, uh, a lot of their classic appearances, things like that, but it was still low budget animation and not really true to the comics, uh, but still beloved by a lot of different generations. Uh, 1981, we had two series, Spider-Man, uh, which ran for 26 episodes, and the crossover Spider-Man and Friends that starred Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar. Uh, the first one was 26 episodes. The second one was 22 episodes, and that kind of lingered there for a while. Um, not a whole lot going there. Um, some of our other live-action appearances was the CBS show in 1978 to 1979, starring Nicholas Hammond as Peter Parker. Uh, he was actually in Mary Poppins. He was one of the Von Trapps. Mm -hmm. uh, it was pretty crummy there was you know he could climb walls and things like that but he wasn't swinging through uh the streets of new york there was a jay jameson but there wasn't really other spider-man characters in it not any of his classic uh villains anything like that stan lee tried to advise on the product project they didn't want to hear him the writers were basically putting in crime plots that were that could just fit any other tv show and it really didn't take off like uh, Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman adaptations in the late 70s. So that one was canceled after a pilot in 13 episodes. Um, and then there was a Japanese official license Marvel. Uh, it was called uh, Supedamen. It ran from 1978 to 1979. It featured Takuya Yashimo. He was a 22-year-old motocross racer, and he, he tried to take down threats from the Iron Cross Army that was responsible for his <laughs> parents' death. So that was actually licensed by... Uh, subsidiary of Marvel that actually went. So, have you seen that one? I have not, but there's <laughs> there's a lot of good memes and and kind of yeah. uh, he will apparently uh, that particular version of the character is supposed to make an appearance in uh, Enter the Spider Man Spider Verse Two uh, across the Spider Verse. Oh great! So, yeah, second animated one. So we might see him coming up. Weirdly enough, <laughs> well, they also had the just the animated series, right? It's called Spider-Man the Animated Series. Yeah, and that was my first big experience with Spider-Man. It was in the 90s. It was 1994 to 1998. Five seasons, uh, 65 episodes on Saturday morning Fox Kids block. It was actually really, really good. Uh, it was voiced by Christopher Daniel Barnes, who was actually Greg Brady in the Brady Bunch movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jane Jonah Jameson was played by Ed Asner. 
It starred Kingpin, Doc Ock, uh, Venom, voiced by Hank Azaria of Simpsons fame, had Hobgoblin by Mark Hamill, Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker himself, Green Goblin, X-Men, Punisher, Blade, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, Iron Man, Captain America, Fantastic Four all showed up. And it's kind of coincidental that the showrunner of that, John Semper, is always asked, why were you able to do so many different things? And he goes, he basically tweeted out yesterday, basically, Marvel Comics declared bankruptcy, and so we just did whatever we wanted. <laughs> and it was it was really successful, and they pulled a lot of the, the lore from the comics. So it wasn't exactly like the comics, but you saw a lot of those characters that were comic accurate and told a lot of those stories. And it was the first representation of Hobgoblin and Venom outside of the comics. So that that one really stuck for me and was a big part to get me into the comic lore of, of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Well, it's also like a great example of when they started to cross over all of these different Marvel entities, right? And so even if you were a fan of Punisher, if you were a fan of the Fantastic Four, you could it all exists in the same universe, right? And that wasn't something that necessarily was being done at the time, and certainly isn't something that they did in the films later on. Right, right. It, it definitely was uh, from the comics, because Punisher makes his first appearance in a Spider-Man comic yeah. book. Blade as well, and then Doctor Strange as a Steve Ditko uh is a Steve Ditko invention, and so you could get that sense of a shared universe long before the MCU, mm-hmm. because Daredevil and, and Fanta- Fantastic Four are all based in in the Marvel New York. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've got a lot of uh, obviously foreign editions that were made as well. Yeah, there's a lot of knockoff, uh, some live action, but a lot of really knock knockoff cheap yeah. toys you'll see out there mm-hmm. that. Might just be you know a Spider-Man package with a Batman figure and just repackaged. So there's a lot of copyright infringement out there, and, and so if you search for uh, you know Spider-Man toys international, you'll see a lot of weird mashups that are just un- obviously unlicensed, but they're they're funny to look at. I've seen that a lot with like giant toy collections. I was watching one about Star Wars toy collections, and actually some of the most fun collections or the most rare ones are the knockoff. Japanese or Chinese versions, right? Yeah. Where it's it's not Boba Fett, but it is a Boba Fett-esque character that looks sort of like Boba Fett. Right. <laughs> and he's packaged as a completely different character. Yes, right, right. 100%. <laughs> um, and then, of course, at, most recently, as far as other adaptations, we've got the Into the Spider-Verse. And we're going to get to that later on, later on in the episode. Um, Stan Lee's pick for live-action Peter Parker. Before we make our own decisions, what does he say? He actually has said... Many times in the 80s when they were talking about the movie and in developmental hell, he always envisioned kind of a younger John Cusack in the role. And, and so mm. that kind of makes sense and, and kind of jives with what you see with uh, some of the casting now. But uh, that kind of makes sense if you think about Say Anything or even before that, Better Off uh, Dead. Um, you, could, you could see that working. I want my $2. <laughs> All right, so first experience with Spider-Man. I'll go first. My first actually wasn't Spider-Man. My first... One of my first comics I ever owned was Venom, and I had the old school. I mean, it was like metallic. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. It was black, and it was just beautiful. I still have it in case in the case. And now, listen, this is actually Venom's own. It was his spinoff. I'm not fancy enough or rich enough to have the actual first appearance of Venom in the Spider-Man uh, novels or you know comics. But that's kind of my first introduction as far as like growing up formative, like being in to Spider-Man. Even when the first live-action film came out. I wasn't super duper into it or knowledgeable of it before I went and saw it. What about you? What was kind of your first experience with Spider-Man? Yeah, again, the the eight, the 94 animated series was the first 
first time, and Spider-Man had been through many different iterations in comic books and, and animation, but the 94 animated series, it was called Spider-Man. Retroactively, it's called Spider-Man the Animated Series because mm-hmm. you had three classics with Spider-Man the Animated Series, the X-Men series, and then Batman the Animated Series, all kind of around the same time in the mid to late 90s. And that one was one that was, it wasn't a straight depiction from the comics, but it did get into the mythology and really showed the expanse of, of what the Marvel Universe could be with all those mm-hmm. villains and all those heroes co-starring with it. And, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty well done, too. It wasn't wild. It was entertaining. They had great voice casting. And it was just a really solid show. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I, I watched it later on down the road. Actually, pretty much after the... The first live action films came out. I kind of went back and watched the cartoons or the animated series, I should say. So having said that, let's kind of get into it. So we're going to do a Spider-Man live action nerd debate, and we got to get into the category. So first off, before we debate anything, let's break down. We've kind of sectioned this off based on, I guess, the three groups of live action films. We've got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and then most recently, um, Tom... Uh, uh, why can't I think of Tom's last name? Holland. Tom Holland. Thank you. I was going to say Tom Welling. This is not about <laughs> Spider or Superman. Um, so first off, let's talk summary of the original three. We've got Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3. And basically, those are just true origin stories. It has to do with, uh, you know, he gets bit by a genetic, genetic... The first one is about him being bitten by a genetically modified spider. He essentially turns into Spider-Man. And the evil, the, uh, the, the, the villain he fights against is the Green Goblin. Spider-Man 2, getting more into his own personal struggles with being Spider-Man, and he ends up fighting Doc Ock. And lastly, Spider-Man 3, which is, there are a lot of things going on here. We've got Green Goblin 2, we've got uh, the Sandman, we've got Venom, and uh, you know other personal issues that he's dealing with. And those came out in 2002, 2004, and 2007. So, initial thoughts with the, the, original, um, the original trilogy. Well, it was a long time getting to Spider-Man, and it had gone through numerous iterations, going back to the 80s, where Stan Lee hated a pitch by Richard Corman. He wanted to take a horror slant to the character, and he's like, no, that's not what it is. And then it went through a couple other different uh, studios. Eventually, Marvel Publishing went bankrupt about 96, and they sold the rights to Sony. There was development with James Cameron, who wanted to... Uh, have a Doc Ock and a Sandman story. Actually, it, it included Electro and Sandman, and he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play Peter Parker. There was some development in it, and then he basically dropped it to go do Titanic. Hmm. And so eventually, the new guys in charge, uh, Avi Arad was the big producer that was the driving force behind it, and they eventually, after some big names were circled around, Roland Emmerich, Tim Burton, Tony Scott, Chris Columbus, Barry Sonnefeld, Michael Bay, Angley. David Fincher, M. Night Shyamalan, everybody basically in Hollywood was was pitched for this. They decided on Sam Raimi, which was kind of an unusual choice because he was mostly known for the Evil Dead series, a couple other pictures, but he kind of set the tone for horror directors really kind of being adept at adapting comic book stories. So Sam Raimi was the choice. He was the man. He was the director for Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. A lot of people auditioned for the role of uh, Mary Jane and, and Peter Parker, and his choice was Tobey Maguire after, based on his performance in the Cider House Rules. And so, hmm. again, people were up in the air about it, but after the first movie came out, he was uh, widely lauded and, and was able to bring a classic interpretation to it for a new generation. It was definitive for a lot of people. Uh, 
in a, in a lot of ways, the first movie was very much Spider-Man with a few Raimi things. If you go back and rewatch, Spider-Man 2 is really a lot of Raimi tricks with the camera, with Evil Dead, uh, yeah, but, especially Doc Ock's origin, uh-huh. where he's got the. We're going to talk, gonna talk about that later on because I, I got that. I, I said you said ironically he didn't want to have it a spin for a horror, uh, right? A, a horror spin. It kind of does have a horror spin. Absolutely, for sure. absolutely. And it was the first film to go over one hundred million dollar weekend, which was a big, big milestone. Uh, it that along with the original X Men movie really kicked off kind of the golden era era of of comic book movies. Um, you know, we'll get back into it uh, when we talk about it, but. Rewatching it, you like Tobey Maguire and, and Kirsten Dunst and James Franco. They're great, mm-hmm. and and we'll get into <laughs> Willem Dafoe as well. I'm sure we will. I, I, I and I, I I'm gonna go ahead and jump ahead real quick with James Franco. Have you ever seen the the on Amazon Prime James Franco t- teaching about acting? No. Okay, everyone out there, pause this and go watch these clips real quick. They're like five minutes long. He's teaching his younger brother about acting, and he's like. He's, it's it's like it's a, it's it's mocking the idea of acting class, but it's James Franco being like, "All right, so here's you're on a glider," and he's like having his his brother stand <laughs> on like a table, and he's like throwing water in his face. Watch out for water as you're on this glider. No, you're getting like it's just it's so stupid and amazing. And James Franco, like early two thousand esque, like before he c- kind of turned into a you know whatever else. But um, go check that out right now, and then come back. It's great. All right, second group of spider-man films a decade later they decide to remake this and these are the amazing spider-mans we've got amazing spider-man and amazing spider-man 2 uh pretty much the same idea it's a retelling of peter parker gets bitten this time he's fighting against the uh reptile uh and then um what is it the lizard the lizard the lizard and then kurt connors kurt connors right and then amazing spider-man 2 he's again he's coming of age type thing and this time he has to fight against electro and uh but the main difference here is we're not dealing with mary jane now we're dealing with gwen stacy and those two came out with andrew garfield in 2012 and 2014 so thoughts on on these two just initially did you see these in the theaters where you i kinda... did see them in okay. the theater uh i did like them there were you know complaints were all over the place and and part of that is recasting and rebooting you're going to get that with any franchise um whether it's superman batman or, or spider-man and so some people didn't really look fondly upon them the movies did pretty well mm-hmm. uh probably high expectations with some of the mc mcu movies just hitting their stride in 2012 and 2014 but they did they did well um and if you look back on it i think doing my rewatch this was these were the movies that took the biggest jump because looking at andrew garfield and the role he played in the peter parker you know people complained about retelling the uncle ben story but that's that's essential to his mythos mm-hmm. there was a lot of really good things in there that i really liked and i think centering on the gwen stacy peter parker relationship was was really excellent and so we'll get into the specifics of that but um these were these were ones that held up a little bit better than i thought and and i gained a whole new appreciation for the series and and the possibilities that were there or maybe are there more on that later. Yep. And lastly, we've got the new trilogy. And, you know, I'm not going to mention the other MCU, MCU films that have um, Tom Holland in it. Obviously, there are a lot of the different crossover, Civil War, etc. We're just going to focus on the three standalone films. We've got Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home that just recently came out. Homecoming, I kind of like, you know, the, the, again, the big difference here is they jump past the him be, being bit by a spider. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. He's Spider-Man now. And he's basically dealing with life in high school which is kind of they touch on that at the very 
I guess, part of the movie in the original Spider-Man. But after that, he's pretty much out of high school, and now he's into living life. This he's in high school for all these for these movies basically, and so the first one he's dealing with, um, you know, being in high school in Queens, and he fights against Vulture in Spider-Man: Far From Home. This is right after Endgame, so obviously there's a lot of the blip. He's back after five years, and he goes on a trip overseas to Italy. Well, I guess really all over Europe, but that's where it starts out in Italy. And uh, this time he's fighting against or with, spoiler alert, Mysterio. And then lastly, No Way Home really deals with Doctor Strange. And uh, everyone knows the identity. This picks up right after Far From Home. And everyone knows the identity of Spider-Man. It's Peter Parker. He's pretty much a wanted person. And uh, dealing with that and trying to basically erase everyone's minds. That These came out in 2017, 2019, and again, 2021. All right. I, I should have said this a long time ago, and if you don't don't know this already, this we're going to be spoiling the hell out of all these films, including the new one. The other ones, like if you haven't seen them by now, that's kind of on you. At this point, if you haven't seen the most recent one, No Way Home, you probably want to pause and you want to go see that movie and then come back to this because we're going to essentially tell you all about it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So initial thoughts, real quick, on the the new trilogy. You For see- me, it's it's a complete seesaw because mm-hmm. I was pretty down on. Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home, not as a movie, but as Spider-Man movies. For me, they were very much MCU movies, which is great, and it's a monster franchise, but it didn't feel like Peter Parker's Spider-Man movies. And I think the argument that he was shooing to the end of the Avengers saga is a fair one because they were literally filming scenes (laughs) with Tom Holland in Civil War before they even had permission to do it. And so – and that's a big deal. And there were some really good things that I liked. You know, seeing Spider-Man carry the Captain America shield, uh, awesome interactions with Vulture. In Infinity War, he's the emotional crux of the movie. I mean, it, the whole emotion of the blip is, uh, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, which is great. Endgame, very cool scene with the gauntlet. And then I was okay with the twist with Mysterio. But I had a lot of criticisms in terms of there was too much MCU, too much Tony Stark, not enough Peter Parker being Spider-Man and not Iron Boy. I think that's a common criticism, and I, I do stick with that. A lot of the cameos in the first two weren't the service of the, the MCU. I didn't like the word the Peter Tingle, which is kind of silly. Uh, and so I wasn't really feeling the relationship with Aunt May and MJ. Not Zendaya's fault, because she wasn't. She was basically a background character in Homecoming. And it wasn't any of the Peter Parker just horrible luck, which were a big part of his character. Now... I think No Way Home changes all of that. I think mm-hmm. all of a sudden you feel the Ned and MJ relationship and you feel that trio very much with the Raimi trilogy of Harry, Peter, and MJ. Well, now you got Ned, MJ, and, and Tom Holland's Peter Parker. And so you really feel that in the third one. Um, you felt Peter Parker's need to do the right thing. And how many people would say, hey, just send these guys back? But he wants to fix his villains, which is a very Peter Parker noble thing to do, inspired by Aunt May. You, you felt for Aunt May. Peter Parker was really beat up emotionally in this, and I think that's an important part of the character. That's kind of he's earning his stripes as a Peter Parker. Uh, I think the cameos were unbelievable. Here we go. In the third act, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up. It was a great just cheer-out-loud moment for the for cinemas all over the place, and it was it was earned, and the cameos were in service of the, the uh, character. And then all of a sudden you end up with Peter Parker down on his luck, all by himself. Nobody knows who he is. He doesn't even have Aunt May anymore. 
But he's swinging around New York in Christmas in a perfect costume. And so I kind of felt like it was a pre-boot in the fact that you worked your way up to the starting point for a true Spider-Man. And so I, I really, really like that. I can talk more about kind of where they went and where they can go. But um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, so I think that the new Spider-Man movies did a really interesting take on. I mean, they really did treat it like he's 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 not the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's the friendly high school Spider-Man, basically, mm-hmm. right? And they really really embrace that. And Tom Holland plays it off so well that he's unlike Andrew Garfield, unlike Tobey Maguire, that are just tormented. We were talking about this before we even started. I mean, they are just tortured. Upon rewatch, God, these those two cannot <laughs> catch a fucking break. I mean, yeah. n- nothing good happens to them ever. And whenever they do a good thing. It still bites him in the ass. Whereas this is the opposite. It's all kind of fun and it's all in jest. And not until this third movie does it really get serious. And all of a sudden, he's actually having some pretty bad things happen to him. At least that we're seeing on screen, right? We can assume. They don't really ever talk about Uncle Ben and the new ones. But we assume things have happened to him at some point. But we're kind of not even acknowledging it. It's a little bit more lighthearted, um, which is good. But also, like you said, maybe not the traditional take on, on Spider-Man. Yeah, I uh in the comics, he he was the unconventional hero. He was mm-hmm. the teenager serving the role of the hero, but he had real problems. You know, he'd save the city, and then Aunt May would bust his chops for not bringing home milk. And so he had all these problems. And so the first trilogy is really representative of that. And in the comic books, that's how people really connected to him. He was a science nerd. Uh, he got tormented at school, but he had these he had this potential and ability and hope. And he still kept a, a good frame of mind and positive, and he, he served as a hero. And not that he didn't have his moments of, of doubt, the Spider-Man No More issue, but he was, in, in, in spite of all these real-world problems, he persevered through that. And the first two Tom Holland movies, he was, he was kind of getting it too easy. And that, that was even reflected in the comics where hmm. when they got married – Peter Parker was living in a high-rise. He was married to a supermodel, and, and people people kind of got disinterested in the character, and they actually kind of undid Peter Parker and Mary Jane's marriage um, with the One More Day comic book storyline because he was having he was having too much luck. It, people didn't connect to the character anymore. It's kind of weird, <laughs> but the Peter Parker bad luck is kind of the heart of the character, weirdly enough. Yeah, and they really didn't glance. I mean, they kind of glance over at him being like a, a science guy in the new ones, too. That's really not even touched upon at all. Right, exactly. And I think you will see, you did see that more in No Way Home, which really mm-hmm. cool. Three Peter Parkers in the lab working together. It's like, all right, so now we've got a, a Spider-Man a Spider-Man in the lab, which you want to see. It's kind of like, you know, not having a detective work by, by Batman. And, you know, some of those movies that doesn't happen, but it's always good to see because it's a big part of the character yeah. in the comic books. All right, so let's get into our first kind of category. We've broken down those movies just a little bit. Yep. Just the, just the tip. Now we're going to get into category one, these BS rankings, right? So yep. according to the rankings, Spider-Man, the first one, Rotten Tomatoes, 90%, IMDb, 7.3. And by the way, as I'm going through this, if any of these you wholeheartedly agree with or you totally disagree with, please chime in. Spider-Man 2, Rotten Tomatoes, 93%, IMDb, 7.3. Not these rankings matter, but it is interesting. Spider-Man 3, Rotten Tomatoes, 63%. IMDb 6.2. That's not very shocking, right? No. Okay. Amazing Spider-Man, 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.9 on IMDb. And Amazing Spider-Man 2, 52% on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb 6.5. That's a low one. That's the lowest of all of them. And finally, the new ones, Homecoming had a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.4 on IMDb. 
Far From Home, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.4 on IMDb. And lastly, No Way Home. And again, this is changing a lot. This was a week ago. Rotten Tomatoes, 94%, IMDb, 9.0. So that's the highest rating so far. Yeah, I think in general, the first two MCU movies, in my opinion, are a little overrated, like many MCU movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they're bad, but I think they're a machine right now. And so some MCU movies are absolutely fantastic. Some are really easily forgettable. And I think the Amazing Spider-Mans are a little bit lower rate- rated. So for a variety of reasons, but I think in terms of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, character studies, I think that's my general yeah, and I'll address that in my rankings. No, that's totally true. And and now, but but we should say Spider Man Two is still holding in strong. And this is a testament to the film itself that came out, you know, almost. I mean, how long ago? Like two decades ago. Seventeen. Um, I mean, a long yeah. ass time ago, right? I yep. guess two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Still is ninety three percent. Yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes. Widely regarded as as the best Spider Man film. I think there's some debate there with some of these newer entries, but yeah, uh, it holds up, and it's. Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things, down on his luck, and fighting one villain, and uh, the action scenes really hold up as well. They really do. I just watched it again last night. Okay, so Tarantino Award for writing, so the best writer. Now, this is really hard, and there are a lot of very obscure names on here, because writing, there are a lot of team efforts, especially as we get into, well, especially, honestly, Amazing Spider-Man, is when they basically started tackling this as a team as opposed to one individual person. So David Kep wrote Spider-Man 1. He also is responsible for the screenplay for Jurassic Park. Alvin Sargent wrote Spider-Man 2 and 3, also wrote, co-wrote The Amazing Spider-Man, and also Ordinary People and What About Bob. So he's got a quite, a, quite a little library there of films. Steve Cloves co-wrote The Amazing Spider-Man, who also co-wrote the screenplay for all of the Harry Potters, not the books, obviously. And then, along with Amazing Spider-Man 1, we've also got James Vanderbilt, who also wrote <laughs> Independence Day, resurgence not the original one mm. so a little, there's a there's a threesome working on amazing spider-man there um and then amazing spider-man 2 there were three people working on this one as well we've got alex kurtzman um who wrote a bunch of star trek star trek stuff roberto orsi i think is how you pronounce it mm-hmm. also wrote star trek stuff and then jeff pinkner who wrote the new new jumanji as well which if you haven't seen the new jumanji have you seen the new jumanji uh the one the first one with the rock the second one with the rock. I've not seen the second with Danny one with DeVito and, and, and Glover. I have not. Please go see that. It's fucking great. Sorry. Uh, tangent. Um, and then lastly, all of the new ones were written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. And this doesn't make this, – this completely makes sense that they're all kind of partnered mm-hmm. up here. Um, Jonah Goldstein, John Francis Daly, and John Watts also wrote Homecoming. So there's like five people working on that one. If you don't know who John Francis Daly is, by the way, which is funny, he's Mitch from Waiting. Yep. <laughs> right. I saw his picture. I'm like, I recognize that dude. Okay, so it's kind of hard to pick a writer because these are all team of writers. But are there any particular writing screenplays that you you really fancy? You think is like kind of the the hands down winner here? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Cop, who wrote Spider Man One, or Cloves, who who wrote Amazing Spider Man, because they had to kind of set the tone and reboot these universes. Cop, especially Jurassic Park, pretty strong. Set mm-hmm. the tone for. Spider-Man movies forever, and with Raimi, you know, hammered out a pretty solid trilogy that's uh, looked on very fondly. And then Steve Cloves had to address it in a new way that people wouldn't get sick of the origin story. And, and Amazing Spider-Man 1 on the rewatch was probably my, my biggest mover on the chart of just a movie that I will go back and revisit quite a bit. 
Well, and it's, I mean, let's not forget that even though it's 10 years after the first Spider-Man, it's actually only five years after Spider-Man 3. Exactly. So you're already coming out with a new Spider-Man five years later. It's pretty new. Mm-hmm. And, it, and at the same, I meant to mention this earlier, but at the same time, you're looking at all of the X-Men films, and they're kind of doing similar things, but they're also bringing back like Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. It's a reboot, but it's also not a reboot because it's younger versions of it. So they're looking at them saying... Why are you already giving us a new character? We just literally finished with this character, right? So I think that's. I mean, taking that on, you got yeah, you got to give, got to give uh, Cloves a, a nod. Um, I personally, I kind of agree with you. I think that I'm actually giving it to David Kep. I think just tackling this in general is pretty freaking amazing. I am going to give a nod though to Chris McKenna and Eric Summers just for the new ones, only because of the amazing writing ability. I know it's a team effort. But to weave not just the Spider-Man stories, but everything within the MCU. And listen, there are some the fanboys are out in, in full in full force now. And I consider myself a fanboy, maybe not as extreme as some of the internet warriors out there. But man, talk about having to be really conscious of continuity, not just how it affects mm-hmm. your movie, but this entire grand MCU. You know, it takes some talent and some skill and some forethought. But having said that, uh, man, right in that first Spider-Man, I, I, that's my winner for that one. Um, this is going to be easier now as we kind of get into this, the Spielberg award for directing, because each three or each groups of movies have the same director for them. So we've got Sam Raimi who directed Spider-Man one, two, and three Mark Webb directed the amazing Spider-Man one and two and John Watts directed homecoming far from home and no way home and is slotted to direct the new fantastic four movie. So who do you got for directing? This is a tough one because Raimi puts together a, a tight trilogy in terms of the emotional arc. Uh, obviously, three fell apart uh, for various reasons. I do love the Peter Parker and Mark Webb, um, his story. I think the emotional beats there were really, really well done. I think my favorite interactions in all of them are Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and, and Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put that as a placeholder, but John Watts with No Way Home – uh, got my faith back, and I'm really excited to see what he does with the Fantastic Four. So I'll give Mark Webb the nod here. I think he had a plan. I think he had quite a bit of studio interference and then a big kind of a licensing mess when the MCU wanted Spider-Man, and he got kind of kicked around because of that. Yeah, I I, I, I do tend to agree with you. I think those those are some pretty amazing directing. But, man, I, I, upon the rewatch of all of these in the last week, I, I'm, I've got to pick Sam Raimi. I forgot how much I love Sam Raimi. I, that's not true. I didn't necessarily forget. I forgot how much I loved him directing these films. Because having just watched Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2, I, I remembered how much, how awesome fucking Sam Raimi is. Yeah. And then you see him doing these, and you're like, he's basically doing the exact, you said, the same same camera tricks, the same type of horror-esque, but also like silly horror, that it's not like, you know, it's not supposed to scare you, but it's supposed to just kind of be really weird and creepy. Like you said, especially with Doc Ock when he's getting his, when he's first waking up from the procedure and it, yeah, those tentacles are basically like killing people. I mean, it's so unnecessarily dramatic that I just, I'm just obsessed with it. So I'm picking Sam Raimi. There's some, there's some cheese in there on the rewatch, but I think he brings the, the horror aspect to, yeah. to Green Goblin as well, that, it, that there's a lot of really good weight to it. And I'm really excited that he's on Dr. Strange too. I'm really interested yeah. to see what he does that. That's, really in his wheelhouse because mm-hmm. it's a superhero and a lot of horror aspects and, and really some weird stuff that's going to happen in that one. But I think you're right, though. It's cheese, but I think it's, an, it's intentional cheese. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but looking on it 20 years later, some people may not think that holds up as well. We, we love it because it was the first inter- – it was our first 
real live action theater Spider-Man. But yep. uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's he definitely has his voice throughout the entire trilogy. Totally. All right, so we both picked different different directors, but that's okay. Next category: favorite Spider-Man costume. I was looking up for fa- I was looking up famous costume designers to rename this <clears> award. <throat> And I couldn't find anybody that anybody would even remotely recognize. So we're just going to call it favorite, favorite Spider-Man costume. Sure. Um, I got a list here. Add some more on. I came up with the original wrestling suit. Yep. The one that he just makes. I've got the stealth suit. These are in no particular order, right. by the way. The night monkey. That's what they call them. Yeah. Night monkey. Uh, the symbiote suit from Spider-Man 3. Um, or symbiote. How do you say that word? Symbiote? Symbiote. Symbiote. Okay. Uh, the homecoming suit, just his whole outfit that he's wearing there, and I guess it's pretty much from Iron Man. Um, the black and gold magic suit from the most recent No Way Home. We've got the uh, I had to throw in that we got to put in there Miles Morales's suit from Into the Spider Verse. It's gotcha. it, is, it is well it is worth mentioning. It's a, just a badass suit. Um, Far from Home, the suit that he actually builds himself while in the plane. That's his own little self designed suit. The what else? Uh, oh, and then at the end of this one, we've got the. Um, the new throwback Spider-Man suit that he's made himself. Right. And I guess we should mention just, just basically Tobey Maguire's suit that he makes post um, wrestling outfit and the Andrew Garfield's outfit just throughout. They're basically, mm-hmm. they're essentially the same thing. So we'll call it, we'll call it original Spider-Man and we'll call it amazing Spider-Man. Right. Pick for your favorite. All right. So or you have more, you have more to add. No, that, that's kind of the gamut. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the black suit in no way home, uh, I saw a, a toy or display of that before the film, and I'm like, that's the black and gold film. I was like, I'm like, that's really ugly. And then they explained it in the film as it's his actual black and red suit turned inside out. Did you catch that? I did, no, I didn't, really. Yeah. On my rewatch, I'm like, this. where did he get this suit from? It's really ugly, but he's trying to wash the green goo that he got sprayed with on the by a protester or whatever, and he actually turns the suit inside out. And so when he oh. comes back, there's like, wires hanging off of it and so i think that was a good explanation i i don't particularly care for that suit but i did understand the functionality of it mm-hmm. um i do like the iron spidey suit because it is practical i think that should be like avengers level suit but he did use it in no way home i think the best suit overall in my opinion is andrew garfield's in amazing spider-man 2 the amazing spider-man 1 was a little bit too stylized but the amazing spider-man 2 was really close to toby's but didn't it had more of the round eyes and big eyes that looked like it was from the comic book as opposed to the triangle eyes of Toby. Mm-hmm. And I like the elongated, stylized version of the spider. Tom Holland's I didn't really care for because of the ti- the tiny little spider. I do like a lot of the variants, but the one he ends up with in No Way Home is fantastic. So I think my my one A and one B would be Andrew Garfield's in Amazing Spider Man two and Tom Holland's at the end of No Way Home. Those are the exact same two I had, yep. except I'm flip-flopping them. I actually, and even though it's very brief, I think the new suit that he's got at the very end that I think will be the suit that he wears, hopefully, in the, in, whenever they make the new trilogy, I like when they incorporate more blue. Yeah. Like, and I think that they do that with that, and also Andrew Garfield's outfit. It gets a darker blue, but at least there's the blue there. I don't think having just all red suits, which is kind of what he has in a lot of the other ones, I don't think it does the Spider-Man, doesn't pay enough you know, homage to the original comic book version so okay so exactly. we're, we're, in, we're in agreement there all yep. right cool uh throw in the blue next category scenes to nerd out on so our favorite spider-man moments so let's go through one movie at a time all right great all right first spider-man here's what i've got and i tried to put these in order and i'm making them pretty brief if i forget some when i do forget some please please add them in 
the fight with Macho Man. Yep. Just just the whole actually the whole the whole the whole part it's kind of like a montage of him learning is he gets bit and all of a sudden he's jacked in the you know you gotta you gotta throw that scene right yep look at him toby mcguire he's been working out and uh it, it kind of ends culminates with that with the bone saw fight. Yeah. the and that kind of toggles right into the next scene which is the uncle ben die and then the whole revenge chase yep which i think is pretty powerful the fight scene with flash and i guess i kind of maybe i may have put that in order but or not in the right order but just just when he first realizes he has these powers and he's like the, the whole part when he tries to punch and he goes, huh? And just like yeah. this, the fist goes really slow in front of him. Um, what's his name? Joe Mantalia. Uh, Meganello. Meganello. Yeah. Which is great. Without it, without facial hair. It's right. Been a long time. The, the whole balloon balcony scene. Yep. So basically the first appearance of green goblin and then the final fight with green goblin. Yeah. What did I miss? I think you nailed it all. A lot of those are just really good touchstone moments. Uh, they were incorporated into the origin uh, of Ultimate Spider-Man, which was kind of a Brian Michael Bendis reboot in the comics, and mm-hmm. they they took basically it was a jumping-on point for new and and ultimately resulted in the death of Peter Parker and Miles Morales. But I digress. Anything mm-hmm. with Willem Dafoe is great. Uh, him yeah. playing the the duality of the roles, him just being crazy. One of the scenes that I I didn't remember that I just laughed out loud was the when he's trying to inject himself with the the serum and he's being all tough. He's got his shirt off and he's looking pretty good for a 46 year old man he lays down on the the table and he gets these metal restraints and he goes oh cold and it's <laughs> yeah. just it's like this weird passing thing in this really intense scene it's it's total ramey it's just it was hilarious i, I had to replay it a couple i feel times. like he just did that and they just kept it in yes <laughs> I, I i think just having some fun with it but i think willem dafoe is was just awesome and the the last battle is brutal like he he yeah he ambushes Peter a couple times in the film and just, I mean, he's very, very brutal. And that, that's going to come back later on. But so many great moments in Spider-Man 1. Yeah, I think I'm going with the final fight with Goblin. I yeah. think, it, and again, it's it's hard to pick against anything with Willem Dafoe. But honorable mention for me is the fight scene Flash. Like, I actually yes. I watched it and I rewound it because I was like, this is, it's so quick. And yeah. I, w- I wish it had gone on longer. Yeah. I wish the, there was more of that. Well, him trying to figure out his webbing as well. Yeah. The end, the end. Fight scene is straight out of Amazing uh, Spider-Man 121 and 122, which was the death of Gwen Stacy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But then the very next issue was 122, where the Goblin did die by his own uh, glider. And he actually, Green Goblin did stay dead in the comics for quite a while. Hmm. That's pretty cool. All right, so so we're, we're kind of in agreement. Anything with Goblin. Uh, Spider-Man 2, favorite scene. I've got the Doc Ock horror scene in the hospital. We already mm-hmm. kind of mentioned that. The bank robbery, uh-huh. the coffee shop, and just the whole car throw, and then he, and then you know the the dramatic buried under the rubble, and now he's Spider Man again, and then the runaway train, just absolutely the whole train part. Those are it, it's just they still hold up. Uh, the birth of Doc Ock, we talked about that with Sam Raimi. Yeah, he even brings a chainsaw into it, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of makes sense, I guess. But you know, it's Sam Raimi. It's like, hey, we need a chainsaw in here. Yeah, yeah. Bring a little army of darkness in there. <laughs> Uh, bank heist with Aunt May. That's that's fantastic. It's uh, um, the guy from Community. Joel. Uh, he's the bank guy. Yeah. Um, and then the car through the window scene. That was one of the first trailers they released, which was great. He's having conversation with MJ. He's trying to stay away from her. So just the emotionality of that was mm-hmm. great. And then the train scene is is absolutely fantastic. One of the things that is ripped right from the comics is him throwing his uh, when his powers start to kind of black out a little bit. He throws 
and he's, he's getting overwhelmed with everything. He throws his costume away into the trash can, walks down the alley. That's straight off of a Amazing Spider-Man comic where he said, Spider-Man no more even. Um, I can I can picture the, 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 the front of that comic book yeah. too. And so they actually recreated that. It's like, well, if you're going to throw away your costume, don't you want to – Put it at I the just, bottom I, of the trash can. And, that, and again, it's from the comic. Like, you see, like, his sleeve still hanging right. out of the trash can. Like, yeah, you would think you want to get that in there more. It's an absolutely great visual. Um, but, so, yeah, Spider-Man 2 is one of the best comic book movies of all time. So which, so. which scene would you pick as far as the, the, your favorite? Probably the train. Me too. Yeah. that's And it still holds up. It's a banger of a scene, too. Absolutely. All right, Spider-Man 3. There, there are a couple good scenes. And I, I don't know if I want to say good scenes. They are entertaining scenes. Right. Uh, so we've got the... Just the whole Green Goblin. I'm calling him Green Goblin too, by the way, because he's not technically Hobgoblin. He is Green Goblin too. Okay, and I think that people call him the Hobgoblin, but he's not. He's not. He's Green Goblin too. And that whole, the whole him getting concussed and just their fight. Yes. And him getting concussed, I think, is actually a pretty cool fight scene. The CGI is not quite as great, but it is. It's a neat scene. We've got the. <laughs> Just a scene that is worth watching because it's so cringeworthy, just the whole club and dance scene. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense what's going on in that scene. Yeah. And then this the whole final duel between Venom and between Sandman and uh, Green Goblin 2 again, now they're buddies. Again. And any other any other scenes I forgot in that, in that one? Yeah, I think just in general, the death of Harry, it, the whole yeah. trilogy, the weight of the trilogy is on Peter Parker and Harry Osborn and MJ – and they're they're together, and you know again you're into the Spider-Man film with a with a funeral. But it, it <laughs> basically, no matter what happened with Raimi, it, it was kind of the close of his trilogy with the with the death of Harry and MJ and and Peter hopefully reconciling. Well, I think a, a big reason why the third one didn't work as well. And I guess we can talk about this maybe a little bit long, later on. But speaking of Sam Raimi and all the all the all the people that are in this movie, he wanted to do two more movies. Right. And so he had to cram them all into one. Right. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's just too much happening. You don't need three villains in one movie. Yeah, not in the way they did it. There was there yeah. was way too much dropped into there. Too much going on. Uh, but I would say just, yeah, anything with Harry Osborn. And for me, it's the, the opening scene where he's chasing and he, he finally, you know, I don't know. He finally does get the better of him. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm picking. All right. Amazing Spider-Man. So... Favorite scenes. First off, the there's the whole subway and basketball game against Flash, and he's and he's like, he, for, well, first he's in the subway and he's fighting the people in the subway, yeah. right? And he's and he's realizing. I, I like how you know as he's learning his powers, he's he can't let go of the pole. He's like pulling it out, and he's being very nice. So he's accidentally knocking everyone out, right. all the people that are attacking right. him. It's just it just shows off how great Andrew Garfield is as right. Spider Man, and then. I kind of put that into because it transitions really quickly into the basketball game the next day. He's still figuring out these powers, and somehow he's dunking from half court. Right. Um, a little bit over, uh, you know, but again, always having, having to fight against Flash Gordon. Or not Flash Gordon, uh, Flash Thompson. Thompson. And then uh, the next scene I had was just the whole battle in the sewers, like as, as um, what's his name, it has become the lizard. Like, mm-hmm. um, Kirk Connors? Kirk Connors. I don't know why I can't think of Kirk Connors. Kirk Connors, who did get a nod. In Amazing Sp- or in Spider Man Two, I forgot that Kirk Connors was a character. He in was Spider-Man in Spider Man Two and yeah. Spider Man Three. Right, he right. was his professor. Mm-hmm. And I guess if they had been Spider Man Four, maybe that's would right. eventually been the evolution there. So that scene, and then as far as Amazing Spider Man, also the battle in the school. Yes, which is pretty fucking badass, actually. Yes, and lastly the whole turning of the cranes to help Spider Man get to the you know to actually fight uh, the final scene. Absolutely. Uh, 
What do you got? Any other ones? Lizard was great. I, I love the school battle because there's a great Stanley cameo, and Andrew Garfield yeah. literally saves him from being clobbered by something. He, he webs something so it doesn't hit him. Yep. He's got his uh, his headphones on as a as a custodian. Uh, that's really good. Although I wish the design for the lizard had, had a, a bigger, longer nose, kind of like the comic books. There was a scene of Lizard in a lab coat, which is kind of his classic look right. in the comics, which was outstanding. And then, ultimately, uh, his relationship with Gwen Stacy, I think the reveal where she's kind of getting upset with all of his excuses, and he webs her and like swings, him, swings Gwen Stacy into his arms as the, kind of the reveal, and he swings off to go help somebody, and Emma Stone's got that great line of, like, oh, I'm in trouble. It's mm-hmm. just, it really conveys kind of the weight of the whole Gwen Stacy story, which is uh, Captain Stacy dies saying, stay away from my daughter. You're going to hurt her, which was a big part of the MJ, Peter Parker story and yeah. why he walks away from her in Spider-Man 1 and tries to stay away from her in Spider-Man 2 because everybody around him gets hurt. And so that that started a really good relationship between Gwen Stacy and, and Peter Parker in that. Well, then you think of another scene, too, that you kind of just mentioned, but the whole dinner scene with yes. Garfield and Dennis Leary. Dennis yes. Leary is so great. Yeah. I love Dennis Leary. Uh, I, that's actually for me. That's a front runner right now as far as favorite scene. I do think the fight in the school is is pretty great. Though. Yes, that's my that's my pick. Mm-hmm. All right, Amazing Spider-Man two. There aren't as many in this one. Uh, I, again, I think this this fell in the same trouble. There's just there's a lot going on. Right, there's almost too much going on in some instances. So Jamie Fox he falls into the eels. This that whole that whole breakdown or the whole scene. Right, build up to it. The first fight with well, really just the whole fight with Electro and G- Green Goblin too. Right. Up, up on top of the tower or wherever they are. And then just the, the epic death of Gwen kind of leads into the death of Gwen Stacy there. What, what other scenes am I forgetting? There's probably one of the best in the Times Square battle where he faces Electro, and Electro's kind of figured out who he is in Times Square. And Spider-Man comes in. There's there's a scene where he, in the middle in mid-flip, his spidey sense goes on, and he's sensing people in trouble hmm. with debris and he's sensing people touching rails that are electrified that are going to hurt him. And he basically, by the time he lands this flip, he's already webbed or knocked out these uh, obstacles flying at people. And it's, it's just a great scene where you see his powers and you see the Spidey sense. Some of the best I've ever seen. Uh, the ultimate, again, the plot is a lot going on akin to Spider-Man three, but some of the him flying through, the electricity and the and the climax um, is is really good CGI with mm-hmm. with the electrical powers and then the death of Gwen Stacy is is pretty much unmatched. Yeah, and I, I I'll go ahead and throw those together. Just the whole end fight scene with Electro and then the death of Gwen mm-hmm. is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, so on to the new three. We've got Homecoming. Uh, the for Homecoming, the opening intro, like just the entire alien tech with, um, uh, what's his name? Um, what the Happy, hell is his name? Happy Hogan? No, with the vulture. Uh, the actor. <laughs> Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Jeez. All right. Uh, God, get some more sleep, Justin. Uh, so Michael Keaton, I think just that entire – it's a really clever intro as to like what – because, I mean, that actually answers a big question as far as after Avengers. Like, well, what the hell happens to all this shit that just destroyed New York City, right? right? That's what happens to it, and it can still be used. thought that was a really cool use of that. The entire opening or first scene with his new outfit I think is great. The hijacking of the truck, I thought was a really good scene. Um, like as he's kind of going through the the floor, and the vultures also kind of doing that as well. Right. Um, the boat scene, and and he's trying to keep the whole boat together. Iron mm-hmm. Man comes in, kind of to save the day at the very end. 
and then the entire final plane battle. Right. And that ends on the beach there. Yep. What did I forget? Anything? I think one of the best things is him going over to the girlfriend's house and realizing it's Michael Keaton and him giving kind of the most menacing God, yeah. father of your homecoming date speech. He turns around and it's just Michael Keaton at his best and Tom Holland just like, oh my gosh. Like uh, just the reality of that situation was was really, really cool. Well, I think um, it also like makes it makes it it makes the vulture out to be a formidable foe. Yes. Whereas before that, I think it just seems kind of like I don't want to say silly. He right. does kill that guy, obviously. That's like you know, threatening to turn him in or whatever. Right. Um, but I don't I don't know I don't know if I take him seriously as far as like a bad guy until that happens. You're like oh fucking Michael Keaton, he's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a really good scene. I I for me I I personally like just the, honestly I know it's the climax, but I I think the plane scene. Yeah, and the final battle with Vulture. Close second is the boat scene. The boats because it just keeps yeah, going ferry. on. Yeah, the ferry. Sorry, yeah. I think the the plane scene is good because he does it without the Tony Stark suit and and, mm-hmm. and yeah saves the day all all by himself. Totally. All right. So Spider Man Far From Home favorite scene. I've got the whole Venice, just the whole first battle of Venice. We've got the the bus and glasses. The whole thing. It's it's <laughs> he's accidentally like targeted flash to kill him and right. it's this whole you know whatever he's figuring out how these gla- these glasses work and then the entire final london bridge battle i know there's some scenes in between there that i probably forgot those are kind of the major ones i could think of yeah i think the the effects of mysterio was pretty cool i i don't i didn't really know how you would do mysterio the classic version of mysterio without this kind of way and so having him connected to stark kind of made sense and mm-hmm. kind of the holograms were pretty cool i liked uh, him having flashbacks and really just messing with his mind in a way that was just using that had a practical scientific base to it, yeah. Um, and then the the final teaser scene with him showing up and J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons, was really shocking. I didn't know how they were going to resolve that because Peter Parker's ID, um, identity being out there mm-hmm. it has been a problem in the comics, and I think they they tied it up. So it was surprising and cool to see J.K. Simmons because. That's a role that you don't need to recast. He, he's so perfect in it. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is a different J. Jonah Jameson, but it, it's the best possible actor. You can't pick anybody better to do it. Yep. He's just, he has so much disdain. He's just so angry. Yeah. And plays it so fucking well. And just rewatching the originals, too, I just forgot how great he is. Oh, he's great. He's, he's a menace. He's so good. He, and, he, and he's just making up, like, headlines. Yeah. <laughs> just, he just fucking hates Spider-Man so bad. Yep. Uh, so much. Uh I really do enjoy the bus and glasses theme, though. Yeah. Having, having rewatched that again, it, it really is pretty clever and funny. Uh, lastly, Spider-Man No Way Home. A lot of really good scenes here. There's a lot going on. It, I mean, it really just jumps right into it, too. Again, it's, it picks up right where Far From Home left off. And so we've got the intro of Doctor Strange and Wong, who is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, the first time Doc Ock and then Green Goblin show up. Mm-hmm. We've got the, the reveal of the old Spider-Man. You know they're both coming through with the sling ring. We've got the whole the whole banter of the Spider Men before mm-hmm. they are fighting, which again goes back to that meme of the three Spider Men like basically yeah. you know finger finger <laughs> finger guns at each other. But just the banter of them talking, yeah, like oh you've got a what what's what's an Avenger and then you know they're just talking about like teaming up and it's really fun. Um, May dies and that whole, the whole quote basically like the with great power comes great responsibility, which is a pretty emotional scene. And then finally, just the entire final battle and the redemption of the vi- the villains and also the Spider-Man. 
yeah, I just put down the entire third act. It was it was really unbelievable. Uh, just one of those things that I had to stay off the internet. I kind of mm-hmm. knew what was out there. You've got the villains. You probably have the heroes in there. But when Andrew Garfield shows up, people just went bonkers. Same thing with Toby. Um, the scene where Andrew Garfield needs to prove it to MJ and Ned and Ned's mom, and then she asks him to clean up the cobweb. Uh, all that was just really good. And Andrew Garfield looked like he was having a lot of fun with it. And so yeah. to see him back on the screen in that role, um, to really help Tom Holland get to where he needed to be as Spider-Man, I, th- I thought was was really, really cool. Um, I think my favorite moment in the entire movie is Andrew Garfield saving MJ because Tom Holland goes after mm-hmm. her. He gets knocked out, and just his acting. He's on the verge of tears, and you know what he's thinking about losing Gwen and him saving her. It's just he's just can emote so much, and he's, he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, but yeah. I, 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 I think the second time I watched it, the I thought the the first time I watched it, I thought the first hour kind of trudged along. But on the rewatch, I realized why it mattered that you knew that Ned and MJ didn't get into MIT, and there was substance to that. And there was there was a pretty it wasn't so subtle, but there's a good commentary on Spider-Man being this hero, and then once he gets outed, half the population holds him up as a hero, and half the population holds him up as a villain. So there's all this idea of kind of the toxicity in the press and um, you know just the claustrophobia that he was feeling with everybody with a camera in his face. I thought that was really good, and I appreciate it a lot more the second time. And there was one scene where I just felt like Kevin Feige was just showing off, bringing in Matt Murdock. Everybody goes crazy. My wife's like, who's that? I go, yeah. it's Daredevil. And <laughs> I'm, I, a real, I'm, I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really cool Daredevil moment. Did he need to be in there? No, but everybody's ecstatic that uh, Charlie Cox is the Daredevil in the MCU. He deserves it. His series was really good. And him catching that uh, brick or rock was just a really cool Daredevil moment, and he wasn't in that that much. I'm really glad they didn't do the trial of of Peter Parker because I think it would have taken away it, it would have taken longer to get to the Doctor Strange stuff, but yeah. Matt Murdock showing up was just Kevin Feige saying, "All right, you want Charlie Cox? Here you go." And with the reveals in in Homecoming, it, with the Hawkeye series, it kind of made some sense. Like that, it, week, it, it's, it's it came out at the exact same right. time. They did that purposefully, absolutely. And it's like, why not? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said, but for me, the favorite part, and again, I have to, I, I've only seen it once. I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch it many many times, but. For me, that I walked away with was the banter of yeah. the Spider-Man and just just the heartfeltness. And, and a friend of mine said it well when he walked out of there. I said, what did you think about it? He said, you know, it's the it's the most emotional Spider-Man that didn't actually drive, didn't have to drive through or drive forward the MCU storyline. Yes. Like, yeah. Endgame is the emotional most emo- emotional MCU movie so far, but it has to be. You have to kill these characters. You have to do that to drive forward into Phase 4. Right. Whereas whatever's happening with these other multiverse spider-man it doesn't actually drive through the plot of the mcu it's its own spider-man thing and i think that's what makes it so powerful their banter and then like learning from one another and then working as a team because they had never done it before right is uh is i don't know pretty cool thing um okay so the category is a little bit out of order because we're going to save our favorite main character for a little bit later on Sure. so let's kind of work backwards a little bit um the next category is what we call the other four jacksons and this is just what we call side characters so these are non-villains side characters I'm just going to rattle through them real quick and then maybe give me give me one or two you think really stand out. We got Kirsten Dunst, the original Mary Jane or MJ. 
J.K. Simmons, we mentioned J. Jonah Jameson. Bryce Dallas Howard plays Gwen Stacy in the originals. James Cromwell plays Captain Stacy in the originals. And then now we've got the amazing Spider-Man Emma Stone, who plays Gwen Stacy. Dennis Leary, again, the aforementioned Captain Stacy. Martin Sheen makes, a, makes an appearance as Uncle Ben, which I had forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that he was Uncle he was Ben. He's a good Uncle Ben. And also, speaking of really good that I forgot, was Sally Field, plays yep. Aunt May. Uh-huh. And then in the new ones, we've got Happy, played by John Favreau. Marissa Tomei, man, she is uh, good looking, um, plays, <laughs> plays Aunt May. We've got Zendaya, who plays MJ. Um, we've got uh, Jacob uh, Badalon, who plays Ned. Tony Revolori, which I always want to say Ravioli, plays the new Flash Thompson. Martin Starr, a lot, a lot of side characters here. Martin Starr is playing uh, Mr. Harrington. I love that he's built this. He's built the uh, the homage to yes. him. The whole yeah. he's like, just check out the display case. My, your friends did it. He's like, no, just you did it. Uh, yep. All right. Um, JB Smoove plays Mr. Dell, who I find annoying usually, but I yes. didn't. I don't find him annoying in these. Um, RDJ, remember these are all the Spider Man. So RDJ plays Iron Man. Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, Sam Jackson makes an appearance as Nick Fury, and lastly, Benedict Wong plays Wong. Could have done a lot more people, but I tried to limit it to only 20. <laughs> so yep. uh, who of these – and may, maybe it's more fair to pick it based on, like, the – the. let's pick one from each th- groups of Spider-Men and then maybe pick our favorite. That might be easier. So from the originals, for me, I got to go with J.K. Simmons. He's so great. such a standout. Um, what do you think? Absolutely, J.K. Simmons. Okay. Him is J. Jonah Jameson. He, he just – him getting worked up and the way he runs the office and – Robbie and Betty Brandt and, and mm-hmm. everybody there. He's just he's abusive and fun and, and hates Spider Man. And there's that one moment in Spider Man Two where he's like, Maybe I was too hard on him and then Spider Man steals the costume and he's like, He's a menace. And he's right back to it. <laughs> I knew it, he's a menace. Um All right, so we'll we'll pull JK Simmons out. The amazing Spider Man. I'm I'm picking Emma Stone. I think that she's got such a great banter and sarcastic. She's a great she works so well with Andrew Garfield. I don't think she'd work with Tobey Maguire, definitely not with Tom Holland, but her sarcasm works well with Garfield. So I'm pick, I'm pulling her out. What do you think? 100%. Uh, okay. Gwen Stacy is the Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker are the best part of Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. I'll, I'll give a little honorable mention to Dennis Leary's Captain Stacy. Uh, yeah. The weight of that relationship and him trying to stay away and, and Emma Stone choosing her destiny because she, she loved Peter was – was really the best part of, about Amazing Spider-Man 2. And Dennis Leary in Amazing Spider-Man 2 just shows up as kind of this watchful eye. doesn't say a word, but it's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going a little off the board here. Uh, the, Flash, the Flash Thompson in Amazing Spider-Man I thought was really cool in the fact that he's a traditional bully. He beats him. He, he does get a punch in on, on Andrew Garfield. And mm-hmm. then after Uncle Ben dies, he comes up and he, he's – it sounds like he's going to rough him up, and he goes, "Peter, I'm sorry," and and Peter almost knocks him again. And then, and in the end, it's implied that they're kind of friendly and they're going to hang out. So, yeah. kind of the evolution with that Flash Thompson, I kind of liked. And Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben, I thought was really good. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. All right, and the new ones, we've got a lot of cat or a lot of characters there. I, Zendaya is very good. I actually like uh, Jacob uh, Battleon though as Ned. I think he he really plays a good buddy cop type situation with him. Yeah, nothing against Zendaya. I think she will be uh, wonderful in, in the upcoming trilogy. If they continue with that, obviously she'll end up with with Tom Holland. I think they've got great chemistry, but she wasn't really used in the first film. So I, I'd say Ned is probably the, the best kind of through-line character. 
Now, having said that, of those three we pulled out, I still got to go J.K. Simmons of all of them. Yeah. I think he's the best side villain or side character, non-villain. I guess he is kind of a villain, but not really. He's, yeah. com- he's comic relief. And now he's in two trilogies. He's so. the antagonizer, I guess, so we can, we'll call him that. Okay, next category. We've got our, sp- our favorite Spider-Man villain. And there are a lot here. So let me, let me, let me rattle them off. We got Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. Alfred Molina plays Doc Ock. Topher Grace, kind of forgot about him, yep. plays Venom and also Eddie Brock. Thomas Hayden Church plays the Sandman. Uh, we got James Franco, who plays Green Goblin 2. Also playing Green Goblin 2 is Dane DeHaan, who, where the hell did that guy go? Yeah. Um, he's supposed to be like the next Leo. Yeah. Basically, after this, he was no longer. Uh, Reese Iffens plays the Lizard. Jamie Foxx plays Electro. Paul Giamatti plays the Rhino for basically one scene. Um, Michael Keaton plays the Vulture. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterio. And then I, I kind of put on here as far as the villain, like you mentioned, like the villain in the last one is really the public. Right. Uh, and, and it's our society and how big of assholes we are. Yep. Okay. So favorite villain. Is this is this as easy as I think it's going to be? Well, I thought until I saw No Way Home. Yeah. So I think Alfred Molina is probably everybody's favorite. He's he's a villain, although he's kind of mind possessed by his arms. Uh, he does do a face turn in No Way Home, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to go Willem Dafoe because he's just a madman. He is Spider Man's Joker. Yeah, he was. You forget how violent he was and how menacing he was in the first one, but. He was in great shape as a 46-year-old. And then 20 years later, they came to him and said, hey, do you want to play the Green Goblin again? He goes, yes, but only if I can do my own stunts. The guy's 66 now. He looks great. Badass, man. And I think this – well, one, he's got the emotional weight because he killed Aunt May, his – Tom Holland's version of, of Ben, Uncle Ben. And the fight in the condominium outside uh, Happy's apartment is just completely brutal. Mm-hmm. Like – He's he's got him. He's do he smiles at him and throws him to the ground. Straight up power bomb. He does spine buster. My wife was like, "Hey, that's a power bomb, isn't it?" I'm like, "That's insane." And so he just beats the living heck out of him. And one of the cool things that I liked about uh, this version of of Willem Dafoe is that he uh, there was a lot of criticisms behind the mask of Spider-Man One, and he intentionally breaks it, kind of reminiscent of that. Spider-Man no home scene. He, he breaks it, leaves it in the dumpster, leaves it in the alley, and he shows up with this purple hoodie that looks kind of cheesy. But then when you put this torn purple hoodie dicky almost over the green suit, uh-huh. it's probably the best visual of a goblin we've ever gotten. And so I yeah. thought that was just this, – this, it was great costuming design. But Willem Dafoe throughout the entire thing. Yeah, when he pulls that hood up, and I'm like, oh, that's fucking comic book green goblin. Finally, right. we've gotten that. Like, yeah. Right. It's not this silly, uh, cartoonish version of it with the mask. So uh, I think Willem Dafoe took over number one, being you know the biggest part and the biggest villain. By the way, that's who I was going to pick. I thought that was oh, okay. I thought that was the easy choice. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, up up until No Way Home, I think most people would have said Alfred Molina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say though, and this is maybe controversial because some people have said they didn't like it, but right. I actually like the Jamie Foxx version in No Way Home of Electro right. than the original Amazing. It was it was, it was was more of a human turning into electricity as opposed to electricity turning into a human. And I guess that's maybe like more comic book accurate from Amazing Spider-Man 2. But I, I, think, he, I think he actually had a personality in the, in the No Way Home a little bit. I know he's like making fun of himself and he's yeah. kind of like telling jokes, but I like that. I think they let Jamie Foxx be Jamie Foxx, which if you're going to cast Jamie Foxx, you got to let him be, you know, right. himself. And so... Yeah, Electro is kind of a hard character to do because his costume is so ridiculous. You know, it's a green suit with this 
electricity star mask. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I didn't really like the blue version because I think it's it's that's the ultimate Spider-Man version mm-hmm. of Electro, and I just think it's kind of lame. It's just blue electricity, which kind of makes sense. But I think the amalgam of the the original comic book accurate suit, you know, he's basically just wearing Fireman gear with a with an arc uh, Tony Stark arc light, and uh, they actually do have sparking out so it does kind of look like he's got that star mask on um but yeah it's he's not really playing electro in this movie and in no way home he's playing jamie fox yeah he's got some good (laughs) lines just playing it like jamie fox anybody gonna say anything about me being buck naked here (laughs) all right so green goblin willem dafoe best i'm throwing a little curveball at you who's the worst And, and for me it's kind of a tie well okay yeah paul giamatti is so inconsequential yeah, that I guess he's probably the worst, but he's just basically shows up for like one scene, and then he's essentially gone. Man, Venom! I, 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 for how much I love Venom, I was so sorely disappointed with the way that Venom was conveyed. Like he, I, for me, right? It, um, it was it was pretty rough. Sam Raimi didn't care about the character. the The studio basically made him shoehorn him into it. And Topher Grace, I get it. It's like if Peter Parker had a bad day, then he could end up as Venom, and that's not really Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock mm-hmm. is is more like Tom Hardy. And so uh I do like the Venom movies for what they are, but you know, you should cast somebody more in line with Tom Hardy than Topher Grace. So I think yeah. that was just a really tough miscasting there. Uh Paul Giamatti was just a, a thug, you know, but I do yeah. think the end scene where Andrew Garfield comes out of retirement after Gwen's death is it doesn't matter who's standing there. So it it is I think him coming out and talking to the kid, those are really good Andrew Garfield scenes, despite, you know, him just being this kind of he just mumbles in Russian the entire time in this mm-hmm. unbelievable suit. It kinda of, it points towards the Sinister Stick, the Sinister Six movie that was being developed, but it, I, I I won't put him the worst. I'll say Topher Grace is probably the worst. Okay. All right. So now to the category Tom Hanks, best leading role. So our favorite Spider Man. Again, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, or Tom Holland. Uh, the good thing is that we've never had a bad Spider-Man. I think all, I agree. all three of these are, are just outstanding. Toby set the tone. Tom Holland is coming into his own, and I love the where they could possibly go without all the MCU connections. You, you can do a cameo here and there, but I want him to develop the Spideyverse. But for me, the best Spider-Man is Andrew Garfield. He's got the heart. He's Ooh, got the charisma. Yeah. Um, and when you see – he really looked like he was having fun in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And just him talking at Comic-Con 2011, he showed up <clears throat> and interrupted the panel. And uh, the narrator was like, hey, get him off of here. And it's him in a cheesy Spider-Man costume. And he, he reads this pre-prepared statement. You should look at it if you don't think that Andrew Garfield loved the role. He said you know, he, he represented everything that uh, a nerdy kid – getting picked on in high school represented and, and Spider-Man is bigger than himself. And he was honored to play the role. It was really, really cool. And just Andrew Garfield's just having such a run. He'll probably be nominated if not win uh, best acting uh, golden globe and, and Oscar for tick, tick, boom. Uh, hmm. I just think he's unbelievably, I, I really felt his Peter Parker. He was kind of a cooler outcast, but there's so much there to like about Andrew Garfield. So, especially even in No Way Home when he had very little screen time. He was able to convey that, man, this guy's having fun with the role again. Yeah, and and that's kind of how I'm doing my comparison is which one was I the most obsessed with watching in No Way Home since they're all three together? Right. 
Uh, and I, I, I agree with you. Man, yeah. Andrew Garfield is so fucking good. Yeah. Now, I, I think before that happens, though, I think I'm going to, or, or Tobey Maguire. Sure. I think that's my pick. But after having seen No Way Home, I, I, I know that it's not that, that it's not their movie, but they're still on this. He's stealing the screen when he's on the screen with those other two. Yeah. Which is a testament to how awesome he is. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Singing Andrew Garfield's praise over here. Okay. Next category is a fun one. Peak of the Mountain. So basically, at what point did these particular people or things have like the height of their power or prestige? So let's start with Tobey Maguire. So I'm going to read some some things off. You got some dates. Okay. Got it. And I probably forgot some, but I just kind of hit the... So Tobey Maguire. Is this the peak Is Spider-Man? He's got Pleasantville in 98, Wonder Boys in 2000, Spider-Man, the first one in 2002, Seabiscuit, 2003, which... By the way, we should mention he hurts his back. Yes. And then in Spider-Man 2, he's injured. And that they did some throwbacks in No Way Home about him. You know, he's popping his back. And right. They're, they're obviously making fun of that. He almost got replaced. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. So that's uh, that's 2004, Spider-Man 2. And then then there's Spider-Man 3, obviously. But then like he doesn't really do a whole lot until, until 2013, Great Gatsby. And then not a whole lot after that. So I think that we can probably definitely agree that after 2004, even like 2000 and I guess seven. Um, he's certainly past his peak. So, what do you think his peak is? His, his peak is definitely uh, probably Spider-Man or Great Gatsby. Apparently, I did check out his IMDb. He is working on a TV series called Ex- Exploitation. Okay. Um, I don't know, but yeah, Spider-Man. Maybe he's typecast, but I think he's just kind of happy. He, he's not working a ton, but uh, yeah, that's definitely the top of the mountain for him. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying Sea Biscuit. It's yeah. in between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1. Right. And I think after Seabiscuit, you make Sp- you could even argue Spider-Man 2 is the peak. Right. C- pretty much drops off after that. Yeah. Um, but definitely definitely spider I didn't actually put this on here, but I kind of want to – what do you think about um, Kirsten Dunst's peak? Ooh. Uh, she's done some good stuff. I uh, loved her in Fargo, the most Far- recent Fargo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's she just good. came out with a new movie with her hus- husband, Jesse Plymans. Yeah. And uh, apparently that's supposed to be pretty good. So apparently she's back on the scene, but uh, – I, I love Fargo and those she was ridiculous in Fargo, which was mm-hmm. so she was so good. She was she was so annoying because she was such a good actress. And we um, should remember Fargo, the TV show, not the film. Yes, it was season was that season two or th- I, I think, think that was season. I think it's season two. Season. I think it's season two because season three is yeah with um, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, I think I think it is probably Spider Man two for her as well. I, I liked her in Interview the Vampire as well, but that's a kid actor. Right. Um, all right. So, sorry, off script. Andrew Garfield. So, let me throw some dates and times at you for this because it's kind of harder to say because yeah. I'm not even sure we've seen his peak yet. He's still pretty young. Yep. Social Network, 2010. Busts on the scene for the most part. Uh-huh. Amazing Spider Man, 2012. Spider Man 2, 2014. And then Hacksaw Ridge in 2016. And he said a few th- new things since then. So, he may be in his peak. Like you said, if he wins the Oscar this year, Golden Globe, yeah. this actually might be the peak. I with think, no way home. Yeah, I think he's an incredible talent, and I think it's it's he's on the upswing. He's only thirty eight. He's no pun, no pun intended. Yeah, he's <laughs> uh, he's incredibly talented. Um, uh, tick tick boom. I I kind of got to see him in the Imaginary of uh, Doctor Parnassus. Mm-hmm. It's the one where Heath Ledger passed away, and three people filled in his role. He was really good in that. Uh, Terry Gilliam of Monty Python shame, uh, fame, you know, directed that. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, I haven't seen it, but I heard he was really good in that. So I think he's got many more years of being a, an A-lister. Yeah, I think we could probably say at the, at right now, this moment, it's Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
Actually, I'm going to say Amazing Spider-Man 1 because it's close enough to Social Network because, man, he was huge. That was huge. That was right. a big movie. Um, but I think that this may be his new peak is this year. Absolutely. We'll see how it, how it all wraps up. Um, okay. Tom Howell. Another one maybe it's too early to say, but let me just throw some things at you, which I thought was kind of fun researching because, you know, I, you know, I know I think of Tom Holland as Spider-Man, yep. which maybe speaks to, like, what is his peak right now, but... I think he's wanting to maybe not get out of Spider-Man, but also he's really doing a good job of diversifying a lot of his roles. So he kind of starts as Billy Elliot on Broadway in 2014, yeah. which is kind of fun. And if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Billy Elliot or seen the play, uh, yeah, I, I, I see that. Of course, of course, he looks just like the actor Billy Elliot. Um, Captain America, Civil War, 2016. Then he does Homecoming in 2017. Back in Infinity War in 18 and Endgame in 19. Far From Home also in 19. Onward in 2020, The Devil All the Time in 2020, Cherry in 2021, No Way Home in 2021, and next year he's starting the Uncharted Potential series, and it's the first movie, but it could be a lot more. It's based on a video game. It's starring Mark Wahlberg and also Antonio Banderas. Um, so again, un- Uncharted next year, which could turn into a whole new series. I've already said that, but you get it. Um, okay, so Tom Holland so far, what do you think is the peak? Oh. Any- I think, well, starring in a billion-dollar movie is, is probably going to do it. Um, yeah. People like me who liked him as Spider-Man but didn't like particularly like his movies now love him. He's gone through kind of the trial by fire of Peter Parker. I think his star is just – this is the peak so far, but I think he's probably going to put out another Spider-Man trilogy mm-hmm. and Uncharted, and I'm sure he'll get locked up for other movies as well. He's, he's going to be an A-lister for a while. He's really talented. Yeah, I think. I mean, this is obviously huge. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that actually, though, that I think so far his peak is actually 2019, because right. it's Endgame, and he, and he, he, while he's not the main character, I mean, I, there's a million actors in that actors and actresses in that film, like the epicness of the hug, and like it's almost like the passing of the torch at that point. Right. And then he does Far From Home that exact same year. Right. Um, and and then it, he he t- he turns that into Onward, which is a gigantic Pixar type film, right? Right, right. So I'm going to say 2019, but as you just said, like we might we might look back in five years and say, no, nah, 2021 or 2022 was where he really made some moves. Um, anyway, uh, okay. So Tom Holland, what about Willem Dafoe? So let me throw some things at you here. This is a harder one for me. I, I could I I, I I I don't know. I'm not really sure where I land this. He's got Platoon in '86, huge fucking movie. Clear and Present Danger in '94, one of my favorite <laughs> films. I love I love that movie. Boondock Saints. Speaking of a, a banger that I, I'm obsessed with, is 1999. Yep. Then Spider-Man in 2022 or 2002, Finding Nemo in 2003, and Spider-Man 2 in 2004. And now he's done a bunch of like small bit parts since then. Right. What do you think is his peak? Probably Spider-Man one. I think that he was always doing. Yeah. He, he never really held a movie by himself. He was always in an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, big part in P- Platoon, but I think Spider-Man got him reacquainted with mainstream audiences and then no way home is going to put him back on the map um yeah oh he's on the cover of platoon i mean that's that's yeah, him exactly that's him getting getting blown up exactly shot. but I, i'd say i mean commercially for the the general public yeah 2002 i'll say if you want to make a great comic book movie put jk simmons and willem defoe in it because just League this year had both of them in it and you know i think those are probably the two best movies with uh two great actors well did you see invincible you watched that yet i did yeah, and yeah. that's J.K. Simmons, not yeah. Willem Dafoe, but yeah. maybe Willem Dafoe makes a makes an appearance on there, which would be great. Yeah, um, let's see. 
next we've got so i think yeah i think we're in agreement we got spider-man um mary jane not not mj just just mary jane yeah okay i, I here's here are my nominees please add more if you've got them i've got the movie friday 1995 yep. <laughs> the movie half-baked in 1998 and then we've got mj mary jane yeah. in spider-man 2002 any other nominees for that or any or what do you think is, as far as your, your uh i will go although i love the romanticizing in half-baked i'm gonna go friday because our students still quote that movie <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. damn near 30 years later and so uh friday is one of those uh cultural icons pop culture icons i 100 percent agree yep. we're in like we're in an agreement with a lot of these yeah we're this isn't the, very interesting we need to fight more we're on the same page uh <laughs> uh i don't know if you have do you have any more um nominees for peak of the mountain no i think friday is friday is pretty strong okay and i've got i've got one more and if you have any yourself let me know i, I just I, peak of the mountain as far as just spider-man yeah i think uh the guy we interviewed for the release of snyder cut book sean o'connell at, at mm-hmm. cinema blend the thesis of his entire book is that in the golden age of comic book movies, Spider-Man stands among all the rest. He's had three essentially trilogies or three series, and he keeps you know producing really good results, if not mixed, but mixed to good results. And up until No Way Home, I would you probably could have argued Batman. He's had several iterations, with another one coming out next year. Mm-hmm. But I think. Just the public response to all three Spider-Men, the connectivity of it, and just how big it is, even with the pandemic going on, it has been it's been over two years since there's been a billion dollar movie and it made it within like eight days. So I think uh that thesis that he is the biggest, brightest star in the golden age of comic book movies, I think is it's it's a slam dunk right now. Mm-hmm. Spider Man is as big as he's ever been and he's gonna be even bigger, with not only this series, but you have the, you've got the potential for three cinematic Spider-Man. You've got Tom Holland's, you've got the animated um, Miles Morales and in Enter the Spider-Verse. Um, they are going to produce an animated MCU series for Disney Plus about Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man in freshman year, and the potential you know rumors that Sony does want Andrew Garfield for their universe to fight Craven and Morbius and Venom. That that is a possibility, and maybe they. They use Andrew Garfield to pass a torch to a live-action Miles Morales. So there's going to be at least two big Spider-Man franchises in Sony and in Disney, and potentially more. It's hard to argue against this current time that we're in. I mean, for how big the original Spider-Man films were, I mean, just with the potential, like you said, of what we're going to spin off into, we've got the Venomverse going on, and then, of course, the MCU, and now the new trilogy, plus Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, it's got to be right now. Or, or maybe even a year or two from now, as yeah. far as the peak. I mean, it is now. I do think at a certain point it becomes saturated and sure. there's just too much. I don't think we're there yet because there's so much. There's so much content to be given to us still that they haven't really explored. I'm excited, and again, as a Venom fan, I like the Venom movies. Um, they're good. I like the spin on them, and I do like that they're they've left. They're gonna they're int- they're going to introduce Venom now into the MCU right. with Tom Holland, just with that cutscene, right? Which is very exciting for me. Yeah, and Tom Tom Hardy's Venom. You got to have him fight some Spider Man. Is it Tom Holland or is it Andrew Garfield? Who knows? Let's hold on. Let's let's save that for a second. Okay. All right. Any more? Any more nominees for any peak in the mountain ideas you had? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I think that's plenty. Yeah. All right. Next category. Before we decide who the nerdiest of the nerds is, 
inner nerd thoughts. So just anything that you kind of thought of as we were going through that you think maybe wasn't answered or that you just kind of, I don't know, you thought to yourself, hmm, we should talk about that. What do you got? Well, for somebody that didn't love the first two Spider-Man solo movies of the MCU, I'm very, very intrigued about where this could go. Um, Black suit, could he get a Gwen Stacy or date Liz Allen or date Betty Brandt? Uh, still need to answer the question, who bought Stark Tower? That might actually come in with a Fantastic Four John Watts movie. Uh, you can do Hobgoblin. that we ha- Characters that we haven't seen live action before, we can do Hobgoblin. Well, and Ned Ned is Hobgoblin in the comics. He, he's one, Ned of, is, one of the Hobgoblins, I guess. He is one of the Hobgoblins, yep. Uh, there was that unresolved cutscene from uh, Homecoming where uh, Matt Gargan talked to Michael Keaton. He's going to be the Scorpion. You've got Kingpin and Daredevil now in that universe. So do they bring in a Mark Zuckerberg-type Harry Osborn to create Oscorp? Um, and does Venom make that appearance? I don't know if it's Tom Hardy, but you do have an alien symbiote there. Uh, if they do that, I would like to see the black costume kind of remain before you get up to um, that. So you don't kind of hotshot yep. it like you did in Spider-Man 3. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I almost think you have to introduce the black suit and yep. have that be a movie by itself. And then the next movie is maybe where it takes over Eddie Brock or, or whomever, right? right. Um, and there are a lot of other like symbiotes that have to exist in the. In, I mean, as we saw in Venom Carnage, like there are a lot of different examples right. of that that they can. Exp- doesn't have to jump right to Venom, right? But you got to see the black suit. That's something as a comic book fan, like the black suit was fucking badass. Not yeah. only just from aesthetics, but just because of the powers that he was given. They really cartooned it up so much in Spider Man Three that it just was not good at all. And right? It, and they rushed it too. And it was. It's a big part of. Uh, Spider-Man mythology. It came in in Secret Wars, and it was kind of a publicity stunt. Hey, let's get a new costume in Spider-Man, and people went crazy. You know, how are you getting rid of the red and blue? And then he had that costume mm-hmm. for the better part of four years, basically from Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 252 all the way up to 300. And they were talking about taking it off, and they're like, "Why are you taking the costume off?" And so, out of the black suit, they did create the idea of the symbiote, and they did create the idea of Venom. And Venom has been wildly, wildly popular ever since then. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so a lot of options of where we can kind of go from here. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, it's the sky's the limit, really, for the MCU and, and even just for Sony, period. Right. I mean, Sony holding on to that. Good, good on them for holding on to that. Um, I, I, I think about this every time I watch the originals. How hard... I don't understand why 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 Spider Man won't just fucking tell Harry Osborn your dad's Green Goblin. Quit being an asshole. Right? Like, how hard is it to say that? Right? You know? Uh-huh. I mean, that <laughs> I, I, I don't. I just don't understand. And I get like maybe you're trying to protect him, sort of. But also, he ki- he killed a bunch of people. He's a dickhead. Like, yeah. Just tell him that. I didn't mean to kill him. By the way, I didn't kill him. He killed himself. He tried right. to kill me. I jumped out of the way. The <laughs> end. Can we still be friends? Yeah. I'm sorry. That bothers me. <laughs> I don't want yeah. To, yeah. Uh, Speaking of kind of that, um, as far as Spider-Man too, so you know he loses his mask, and on the on the train. Now I right. know that he just saved everyone's lives, but if that happens in today's age, right, with cameras, camera phones, and whatnot, yeah. does the the Far From Home storyline that leads into No Way Home storyline does that happen now? Does it happen in Spider-Man Two as opposed to right. No Way Home? Right. I mean, you know how many people are putting that on freaking Instagram or Snapchat? Or oh, whatever, exactly. And all of a sudden he's being persecuted because of you know property damage or right. whatever the fuck he did right yeah sorry just a cu- couple couple thoughts that i, I get it, it, just things like that absolutely uh do you we talked about it briefly but i want to i want to mention it again do you love did you like the horror spin from sam raimi yes i think it it uh uh if, if you like sam raimi's evil dead trilogy it's really cool i think it does 
it does enhance and some of it is cheesy and and maybe it doesn't hold up well for today's audiences but i i, I like sam raimi I, I love his uh his past work and i think it's going to work it does help elevate how sinister willem dafoe is and kind of the violence of doc ock it's these these are real villains they're not kind of cartoony so it, it definitely pushes that pg-13 mm-hmm. and and creates you yeah know, it really ups the stakes for sure yeah and and people die like you don't see that happen in a lot of comic books like right comic book movies i guess all right kind of left it off we haven't talked a lot about it but do you think okay into the spider-verse yes is this is that actually the best spider-man movie that's been made so far it's well it did win the oscar for best animated feature i think uh i think it's it's pretty strong and they did really adapt this from an idea that was created in that in Spider-Man the animated series they they'd kind of talked about Wilson Fisk holding opening up a portal to other universes and so that that idea was kind of struck then and they just said hey we're going to do the origin of Miles Morales and we're going to pull in all these different variations of Spider-Man and so it was a really good incarnation of of that while introducing Miles Morales and again you've got all these crazy cameos my favorite is Nicolas Cage's Spider-Man Noir who's just perfect in the role but you know you're gonna see. Great. Um, I kind of had to remind myself that Oscar Isaac is going to be Michael O'Hara as Spider-Man 2099, who had the the cutscene uh, end credit scene where he goes I, into 1967 and, and does the pointing thing. He's like, "You're pointing at me." He's like, no, you're, you're. That's really rude. And it's hilarious because Oscar Isaac is in everything now, and I, I I think that's awesome. And I love I love that 2099 Spider-Man run. Yeah, Which, and and I and actually, if I'm talking like favorite costume, that might be my favorite. Spider-Man. Really, it's, yeah. I just think it's such a badass, futuristic, futuristic looking one. But Miles Morales is obviously good. Well, I guess so. Like, kind of my last kind of nerd thoughts as far as that is: when do we see Miles Morales in live action? I think where do we see Miles Morales right. in live action? Because we've got two different options now: right. we MCU, we got Spider-Man, we got three really: this new Spider-Man trilogy maybe in the MCU separate from that or Venomverse. I I think you could definitely, if somebody was smart, they would use Andrew Garfield to segue into Miles Morales. They kind of intimated it with, with a Jamie Foxx discussion when he, he lost his powers in no way home. But I think if they could use an A-list actor like Andrew Garfield, who people really like as Spider-Man and retroactively looking at his movies and getting new appreciation for it, I think Sony would be smart to do that. And, you know, there's still a lot of miles left for Tom Holland. He, he can do his own trilogy. So why don't you just do Andrew Garfield segueing into Miles Morales or just start with Miles Morales as uh, the Sony Spider-Man. And then you've got Enter the Spider-Verse, which just does wild. You can basically bring in any kind of iteration there. And then you do Tom Holland, Peter Parker in the, in the MCU. So mm-hmm. there, there's so many options there. There really, there really are, yeah. Okay, so what, what nerd thoughts you got? I just said, um, you know, for you, what was the bigger disappointment? No Spider-Man 4 or no Amazing Spider-Man 3? I think it was that Spider-Man 3 was just Spider-Man 3 and not Spider-Man 3 and 4. Right. Like, I think that it was so – Venom was so rushed. That was a huge disappointment. Now, having said that, I, I've, I've long forgot about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, over it. It's fine. Um, but now, having seen – Andrew Garfield pop back in not having an amazing Spider-Man three has, is actually the bigger disappointment for me currently. But having, but having said that there's a lot of speculation that there's already amazing Spider-Man three that's in development with Andrew Garfield. Right. How fucking pumped would you be for that? I'd be really excited for that. And so, yeah, Spider-Man three 
they shoehorn Venom into it. You can tell on rewatch that it's just there's so many plot threads. Like they would have been just fine with Harry and Sandman really develop both those characters because obviously there's a personal connection between Harry and Peter mm-hmm. in Spider-Man Three, and Topher Grace just messes it all. Plus they threw in Gwen Stacy and and Captain Stacy, so there was no time to develop them yeah. either. And so um, the plan was just focus on Sandman and Harry and then do Vulture, introduce the Vulture that would be Spider-Man 4. Apparently Ben Kingsley was was up up for the role. Really? But for me, without a doubt, um, not having an amazing Spider-Man 3, just the, just the circumstances around it. But they were setting up a lot of stuff. Uh, there's actually scenes, cut scenes from Amazing Spider-Man 2, where Shailen Woodley was Peter's neighbor as MJ. Uh, Felicity Jones does show up in that movie. She um, is Black Cat. Um, not in that movie yet, but she does play the character that's going to be uh, Black Cat. Campbell Sp- Scott, uh, uh, Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker's father, uh, Richard Parker, actually does make a scene at the grave and, and reveals that he's alive. There was going to be a Sinister, Stick, Sinister Six movie that was heavily teased to include. That's a cut scene. Yeah. Green Goblin 2, Rhino, Doc Ock, Vulture, Electro, and Craven the Hunter. And and so there was a plan. They did hotshot a couple things and, and kind of got really uh, – there was just too much packed into Amazing Spider-Man 2. They, they made, I think, costume errors with Green Goblin 2 being too much like the ultimate goblin where he's an actual goblin as opposed, as opposed to a costume. And then Electro was ultimate blue Electro, which wasn't really popular. But yeah. uh, just the possibilities there. And, and I think you can still do that. You, you get – Andrew for one or two segue to Miles, and you still have this great universe that they are building without a Spider-Man right now. With Craven the Hunter, Vulture, well, Vulture may make appearance in Morbius and uh, Venom movies. So, I, I think there's a real potential too. You kind of mentioned it was is, is having Venom exist in the Andrew Garfield Spider universe, right? Right, and that's a, I mean that's pretty quick. I mean it's pretty easy, right? They're both going back to we don't know where Venom exists right now. Mm-hmm. How easy would that be? We've already got this developed Venom, char- Venom character. Yep. I don't know. I think it would be a really cool potential yep. if they'd explored that. I agree. All right, you ready for the the ultimate showdown? Yes. Okay, all right. So here's how we're going to do this, and sorry to be confusing. We're going to try and rank them, all eight. We're going to leave out Into the Spider-Verse because we didn't really talk about that one. Just the live-action ones. We're going to rank them, and then we're also going to throw in a little bit of a nod to our nerd takes. So we're going we're gonna to give a Luke Skywalker rating to each one of them, too. So let's start from the bottom. So our eighth ranked film of all spider-mans what do you got first or what's what's your eighth your okay eight? or so, do you have this do you have this broken down some I, other yeah way? i got them bottom what, up what do you got okay okay my eighth ranked spider-man would be uh spider-man three he got a uh hoff luke from me so <laughs> still still on the positive side because it is a spider-man movie and and honestly um you know a bad spider-man movie is still a good comic book movie you're much kinder than me. I, I'm, I'm also saying Spider-Man 3, but I'm giving it a a 3, a you just kissed your sister, Luke. <laughs> really excited about just kissing your sister. So right. that's number 8. Number 7. 7 for me is Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, that's the uh, Hoth Luke for me again. Uh, I think it's, it's a, a very th- – there were some definitely cool scenes with um, – with Mysterio, but I think it's a it's it's a for it's in the grand scheme of things. Eventually, I think it's going to be a forgettable MCU movie and not an unforgettable Spider-Man movie. I'm going to laugh if we have the same fucking rankings. But yeah, we, we probably do. Um, so for me, for seven, I'm also going with Far From Home. Wow. And 
I, again, I'm, it's the same thing. Like, I haven't gone back and rewatched these. I haven't gone back and rewatched Far From Home. I have rewatched Homecoming. Yeah. I haven't watched Far From Home again, uh, maybe twice. Um, so for me, I'm actually giving it, I'm going to give it a five, which is a Force Ghost Luke from the Rise, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Of Skywalker. Yeah. So, you know, not, not the best. I should have said, by the way, speaking of Rise of Skywalker, earlier when I mentioned as far as, like, the fact that it was... I don't even think I said this, actually. I was thinking to myself, like, the reason why Far From Home is so good... You know what? No, no. You know what? I'm a, let me table that for a second. Force Ghost Luke for five. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting distracted. I'm just going to stick with that for now. What is your sixth ranked one? Six, six is going to be Homecoming. Okay. Again, first solo outing for Tom Holland. Still solid, but uh, not enough Spider-Man mythology lore for me. Uh, I think you could have put just about any teenage superhero in that movie and you it wouldn't have changed a whole lot um i i love vulture in it i love michael keaton there's some great scenes in it but um that's gonna get me a, a dagobah luke dagobah luke okay uh so for six um i am also giving it a dagobah, dagobah luke but i'm actually gonna say um amazing spider-man too okay that is my that is my sixth ranked i, I just think that electro was done so poorly and now having seen what we could have maybe done with jamie fox and even like the costume like you said was really a disappointment for me so still still a dagobah luke it's a six um the sixth rank all right fifth favorite spider-man all right this is uh probably gonna start getting me some hate but i'm gonna say <laughs> spider-man one really all right it's still stormtrooper luke so mm-hmm. we're still we're still in rarefied air here um i think i love willem dafoe i love some of the scenes in it but i think uh, it, it doesn't hold up as well as you think it does. There's some great moments, some iconic shots. But I think one of the things I noticed on rewatch is the Denny Elfman score makes it a little too cheesy for me. There's some great, <laughs> great things. But, like, Denny Elfman had a great Batman theme, and he's, he's in the Hall of Fame of, of movie composers. But I think the, the music for me took me out of it a little bit more this time around. Um, still laid the foundation for what's widely regarded as one of the best comic book movies of all time. But I think uh, there's just other things that I liked about the other ones that kind of, it didn't move Spider-Man down. It kind of enabled a couple other movies to leapfrog him. That's fair. Uh, So for me, for fifth, I'm going to say, I'm saying Homecoming. And I'm giving that a seven, a Dagobah Luke. Gotcha. But probably for the same reasons you're saying, is that it's still a really good movie. um, But... uh, you know, I just think some of the other ones are just much more classic and iconic. And, and, it, and it, it seemed more like a, an Avengers movie than it actually feels like a spy, its own Spider-Man movie. Absolutely. Which is, I think, a, you know, doesn't make it a true Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. All right. Fourth. Now we're getting to the top four. Top four. Might get a little harder here. Four. What do you got? Top four is Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is probably on everybody's ranking a little bit too high. This time around, I, I really liked it. I think it, it did one of those things that was kind of intriguing that we really haven't talked about is – it kind of went where the comics never really wanted to go was dive into Peter Parker's parents, but they did play up the orphan a- aspect of, hmm. you know, an adoptive kid. He ends up with his aunt and uncle, and they love him a lot, but he's still worrying, why did my parents give up, give me up? And they started getting into that, and, and there was an end point to that because you can see that really developed in Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. I kind of latched onto that a little bit more this time. And then it's probably got my favorite scene in any Spider-Man movie of all time, which is... Uh, the death of Gwen Stacy, which I thought, you know, of all of the other kind of stuff that didn't really work in Amazing Spider-Man 2, that moment and Andrew Garfield, um, and even the kind of the the coda of that where he's retired 
as Spider-Man and then gets back into it. it was, there's just some really cool stuff. And Andrew Garfield and, and, and Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy are just probably some of my favorite interactions in, in any, of, any of the films. Yeah, well, and that's the same reason why I'm giving my fourth one is, is Amazing Spider-Man. Right. Because of the – and I'm going to give that a uh, – I'm still going to give it a Dega Ball Luke, though, a seven, which is it's still pretty good. Oh, I forgot my Luke rating. It, oh, yeah. we're, we're getting to red fives, Luke. Red so, five already? Yeah. Man. Okay. That, that, I mean, that, this, it's a testament to all how good some of these yes. Spider-Man movies yeah. are. So I, I'm, I'm still going low with mine with Dega Ball, but still seven out of ten is pretty good. But but I th- like you said, like the, the, the Gwen Stacy, the Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield, the Emma Stone, like their relationship. Dennis Leary, obviously, is in the first one, Amazing Spider-Man. So I, I just love that dynamic. And Andrew Garfield is just – he's kind of a mixture of the two Spider-Men, I think, as mm-hmm. far as, like, Tom Holland and, and, and Tobey Maguire are concerned. He's he's believable as a high school kind of goofy, like, silly, you know, I don't know, lighthearted guy. But then he becomes this this very very real, I don't know, version of Spider-Man and human right. human being. And he, pl- he plays the emotional aspect so well. So right. I'm giving that – that's my fourth pick um, – Given a like I said, dig up a Luke. All right, number three. Three for me, Amazing Spider-Man. Again, everything I said about Gwen and, and Andrew Garfield. Uh, it, it really plays up the abandoned orphan. He he deals with Ben being lost, and then uh, the Lizard is an okay villain, but everything with Captain Stacy I think ups it. And one of the things that you didn't see in the Toby trilogy is the the shit talk in Spider-Man, the the quips. You know, right <laughs> when he goes to the cart the car thief he he's he's giving him quips and, and kind of messing with the guys and, and showing the cockiness the the side quits that have been characteristic of uh, spider-man through all of his existence and not that toby didn't do that but uh andrew garfield's like him talking stuff to all the villains uh was, was kind of elevated it so as a as far as an origin story i think that's probably my favorite um so that's a red five superman or red five luke as well and that's my number three Awesome. All right. Well, so for me, for my number three is the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Um, I, again, I, I just think that it's I, for me, it's a great origin. I think there's so many amazing stories that are being told kind of throughout that. Um, I think that it got me to like really be into Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire, I think, is a believable, not necessarily a high school kid, which is probably why they only spent like a limited time in high school because he's, he's obviously like 30 <laughs> <when he's in laughs> the, or, you know, or an old, an old 27 year old. Right. Right. Um, but uh, having said that, I'm going to give it a, a Stormtrooper Luke, an eight. There you go. All right, top two. What do you got for two? Top two. Uh, widely regarded as one of the best comic book movies of all time, regardless of Spider-Man or, or not. Spider-Man 2, it holds up. It's a lot of character development for Tobey Maguire, pushes the story forward with him and MJ, um, him turning his back on MJ to keep her safe, and uh, a great villain in Doc Ock. It's just a, a classic um, it's Raimi's best. Uh, it's focused. Uh, a lot of good stuff with him and Harry, and MJ. And so, that's a uh, Jedi Master Luke. It's uh, it's top tier. Can I just say I, I copy you? Yeah. So so a t- for two for me is the exact same reason. I'm also going to give it Jedi Master Return of the Jedi Luke ten out of ten. It is just such a fun movie to watch. And Doc Ock is incredible. The Sam Raimi horror spin to it. That train scene is freaking iconic. Um, just him busting out of his suit as he's trying to keep it together. Yep. It was the first time I think that I was – I don't want to say the first time because I think the, the the end fight with Green Goblin also was pretty badass. But where I thought to myself, Tobey Maguire is actually a believable badass. Yeah. Like I think he's he's tough, tougher than he acts because he acts like kind of like a goofball. I'm the sweetest guy, you know, you know, neighbor, next-door neighbor guy. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, 10 out of 10 for me with that one. So I guess we're both saying our number one Spider-Man is – 
No Way Home. Yeah, I don't want to be prisoner of a moment where the most recent one is your favorite, but recency the, bias is kind yes. of where. We're, and I, I was going to say that exact same right. thing. Like, I, I wonder if you ask me this in a year or two, am I going to say the same answer? But having just seen this movie, for me, it's like, man, that was a, that fucking blew my mind. Yeah, it's it's uh, for me, it's number one. I could see myself rewatching this over and over again. It's easily accessible. It did great things with the cameos. It didn't change anything about their history. It incorporated it, and it's perfect timing for the MCU to kind of clean the slate with Spider-Man. We got the Avenger stuff out of the way. We can start new. Tom Holland came into his own, and for me, No Way Home is the best Spider-Man movie thus far. It's one of the best movies of the year, and for that, it gets a Mandalorian Luke. I, I think that's that's actually fitting. I'm going Mandalorian Luke also because it's – it just it, I don't want to say it jumped the shark, but it's something that we've never seen before. Right. It, it, now, we've seen the multiverse kind of been discussed a little bit with Loki and some other things, but it really embraced it. It brings him in. And I do think the reason why it also is ranked so high for me is that it's paying so much tribute to the originals it, that, it, that I th- the fact that it brought in – the reason why it's so great is it brings in Tobey Maguire and it brings in Andrew Garfield. Yeah. And, and of course, that's the storyline, but – it's a testament to how awesome they are and were as their Spider-Man. That's what it elevates. This isn't necessarily a Tom Holland only Spider-Man, even though his like his performance is pretty incredible. Like he's very emotional. He does some right. scenes I didn't think. I know. I mean, he's doing other movies, and you've seen him. He's a great actor, but you hadn't seen like the emotional that that you see with Andrew Garfield and you see with um, Tobey Maguire in their original Spider-Mans. And so, something new blew my mind. Didn't expect it to be as good as it was. So. All right, favorite favorite one so far, No Way Home. Yes. That's crazy. Maybe we'll revisit this in a, in a year and see if we still feel the same way. Yeah. Or yeah. five years. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Spider-Man live action. That was a hell of a breakdown. Hopefully you stuck it out with us. That was a long one, but lots to talk about with eight films, right? Absolutely. And so maybe we split this up into two parts, make That's it a little a bit more parter. manageable. <laughs> two-parter. All right. Well, the final part of the show, a little bit of nerd outreach. So first of all, thank you. Thank you. Verby for joining us today. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I also want to thank, just honestly, a- as a fanboy, thank you to the MCU, Feige, for – here's what I was going to say before. I think that there there are some movies that are all about fan service, and they do it because they're trying to make up for something. Right. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they're doing that to basically be like, all right, we'll, p- we'll appease the fanboys that we pissed <clears throat> off with Last Jedi. In this instance – they were doing a lot of fan service, but I think it, it they did it because it drove th- it, it it drove the plot forward and it was necessary to embrace the multiverse and to also, like you said, do a reset on Spider Man, Tom Holland Spider Man. Yeah. And pushed. get him separate from the MCU. I mean he's still in the MCU, but like he can do the friendly neighborhood Spider Man in his own trilogy. It doesn't always have to tie back to fucking t- Tony Stark, right? Exactly. He's his own person now. It, it it got Tom Holland to a place where I didn't I didn't think there would be so much development in his character, and that's that's one of the big reasons I loved it. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, do a little quick plug for your uh, for your pod YouTube because it's uh, awesome. I've been on it. Uh, you know, there's got a couple episodes and they're pretty great. Yeah, we've got a couple. Uh, we got an episode where we talked to Sean O'Connell of the uh, release the Snyder Cut movement. A uh, couple old episodes of St. Louis guys uh, STL cast. Uh, got kind of some older interviews on there. May pick that up in the summer. Cool. That's STL cast. Go check it out. Um, you get to see our, our pretty faces. If you have any s- show suggestions, as always, email them, nerdsnuclearpodcast at gmail.com. You can like and follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. Uh, and, of course, you can check out some of our nerd bites and our nerd takes on the YouTubes. 
our next episode we got coming up is Best Bad Movies Part 2. We're breaking down Rotten Tomatoes score movies from 25 to 50% and talking about why they actually are better than they are. Pretty excited about that. <laughs> Sounds awesome. That's my cup of tea. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks again. Burby, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me, and uh, uh, congratulations to Lambert. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shout out, Lambert. Good job on having a baby. All right. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.